The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters, two microphones, and one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Break, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. It is homecoming week Thursday. We are talking all things Mercer. We're going to break down ETSU and Mercer on the gridiron. Rick Cameron, long-time play-by-play voice Mercer Bears. He'll join us in the middle segment, and we'll talk pick six, what six games Keith thinks we should pick. And then we'll do a PAT or something like that. So that sounds great. Yes. Uh, your PAT has actually been fairly successful for you this season. I like this. Yeah. I have actually, let me double check. Let me, you know what? Let me double check that. As as you get you us, tell me I'm booty. You get us, you get us rolling. No, I just want to verify. I don't want to say anything that's uh, out out of turn. So let's see. Your first PAT it was, was a miss with yeah. Miami, Ohio over Miami, Florida. Which was terrible. Nebraska over Colorado. Terrible. Uh, Tennessee State over Gardner Webb. Got it. Got that one. Uh, Ole Miss over Alabama. Terrible. And Charleston Southern over Kennesaw State. Yeah, commanding. So that's two, fours, two, Which, four, honestly, five. Which, honestly, pretty good. I mean, if you bet 40% on uh, your bold predictions, give or take, or the upset, yeah. whatever you want to call it, it's not bad. Yeah, I hit on Sac State over Stanford. Good one. NC Central over A&T was considered an upset in Massey, so I was able to, it was a technicality. And uh, Florida A&M over Jackson State, I believe, was a hit. So I'm three for five. They are playing some pretty good football right now. Um, Again, if yeah. you get forty and six percent, pretty good. We're pretty doing pretty. Good. We're doing. Yeah. We're, we're both doing well. Yeah. The fact that you're sixteen and sixteen with a couple PATs tossed in, like that's still actually pretty good. That's better than I did when I did this bit on my radio show. Is that a compliment? I couldn't tell. Yes. Okay. Right. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, let's talk. Let's talk a little football. We will uh, talk a little Southern Conference games that aren't on our pick six as well. So, for the SoCon folks, we will talk about those non-games because I'm assuming SoCon. Uh, I haven't looked at the list, but I assume Western Chat is going to be a game on the list. Right? SoCon. You're right. Okay. All right. Let's talk uh, Mercer ETSU. The first fun fact I want to give you is that ETSU actually leads the all-time series against Mercer and SoCon play. Because the first game, ETSU was not a member of the SOCON yet in football. That is correct. They were in 15, right? It was right. 15 in his first game. Mercer was a member of the SOCON. They had just transitioned scholarship from the Pioneer League. ETSU did not play a full SOCON schedule that year. Uh, that is correct. ETSU lost that one, so it's 4-4. Uh, but ETSU 4-3 in Southern Conference games and ETSU 3-0 all-time at William B. Green Jr. Stadium. I think a lot of folks remember 2017, kind of building off that 2016, the, the Sanford win. Um, you know, the previous year, they get the overtime game, uh, 26-23 victory, the Juwan Stinson overtime uh, reception from Austin Herrick. And then fast forward to 2019, which was just a 3-9 and nine win team. But that was a game where Tyler Rodell really played the most significant minutes of that season. 8 of 12, 116 yards. But Quay Holmes is the story. He set the school record for single-game rushing. 26 carries, 255, three touchdowns, averaging 9.8 yards a carry. 
21. Spring of 21, Bucks had to go to Mercer. Fall of 21, of course, was the de facto championship game, and that was a, I mean, just an entertaining game. Bucks would outscore Mercer in the fourth quarter, 17 to seven. It was a big third quarter. Mercer 18 unanswered in the third quarter, but it was really Elijah Huzzy. You know, he had been great. Ty James really just feasted early on Huzzy. Eight catches, 224, a touchdown including a long 66-yarder, which broke a tackle from Huzzy. Mm-hmm. Huzzy, though, late couple interceptions of Fred Payton set up a couple of touchdowns, uh, one to Malik Murray to give ETSU the lead. And then, of course, uh, the dramatics of ETSU calls a timeout before Mercer's field goal hits the upright. Mm-hmm. Then you have the overcorrect, misses the field goal. ETSU goes on to Southern Conference champions. That's the three home games um, in the 3-0 record. Now, they've also won 2018, which was the other championship year. They won uh, down at Mercer, a three-point victory there. Last year, though, Mercer had the game just circled, highlighted, whatever, starred, indentation, something by that game because clearly losing that opportunity to go to overtime, losing a lead, chance of Southern Conference championship, all that went awry. And, boy, they took out some uh, frustrations on ETSU, a 55-35 victory. Fred Payton, 23-35, which was actually one of his worst games as far as completion percentage. But he threw for almost 400 yards and five touchdowns uh, and was really good. Tyler Rodell, 20-35, 206, a touchdown, but two interceptions. That's actually the only interceptions he's thrown in three games versus Mercer. He did not play in the spring game. That was Brock Landis played the whole entire game of that one. Baron May also got in the game for ETSU, 5 of 10, 24 yards on an interception. So, Bucks with a lot of turnovers in that one. Yep. Uh, but, again, it was Ty James, seven catches, 120 yards. I mean, anytime Ty James sees an ETSU defense, he tends to just uh, lick his chops because when you're talking about just in those two games, 350-plus yards, uh, let alone uh, right. some other things. You bring the Devron Harper also. Yeah, that's the big thing for me is that when James is out there and Harper is also out there, you have to make a decision on who's going to get your best corner, and the other guy is probably going to eat your second-best corner alive. Uh, That's a real challenge for any defense in this conference, and when Fred Payton could get both of them the ball pretty much at will, they were a nightmare to try to deal with. Now... Uh, it's PB back at quarterback, and PB played the spring season as a freshman, and he was okay. I don't know that he's gotten a ton better. Uh, and, and I watch this Mercer team, and I watch these wide receivers, and I say, I, I can see it. Right? I can see why he would win the starting job. I can see why the coaches would look at him and go, this guy is our quarterback. Every now and then he makes a throw that's just ridiculous. Oh, wow, that's fantastic. It's a a phenomenal athleticism. He made one against Furman where he was was flushed out of the pocket. He's pretty athletic. He's mobile. Uh, Rolled out to his left, off his back foot, threw from behind his head and hit James about 18 yards, 20 yards up the sideline for a first down in a play that probably should have ended in a sack. And you're like, oh, yeah, no, this guy's amazing. And then you see plays where it just doesn't he, – he sees something that spooks him, and he doesn't um, – he, he can't – he just can't. 
He just can't process anything or whatever he needs to process to make the play happen. It breaks down. He has to scramble. He throws the ball away. He takes a sack. He does this, that. Stuff that shouldn't happen happens a lot, both good and bad, with PB at quarterback. And so what you get is an offense that is extremely explosive because it has a lot of athletic playmakers in it, but you have an offense that struggles with consistency trying to get down the football field. Does that sound familiar at all? It does. Yeah. Um, So this is a team that if ETSU's defense can just limit those explosive plays, if you can find some way to contain James and Harper, and that's asking – I mean, that's asking people to climb Everest with no coat, uh, let alone no snowshoes, no tent, no hats, no goggles, no um, whatever they call the things that you put on your feet, the spikes. Are those – what are they? They're not, they're not crampons, are they? What are they called? Shoes. No. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Why are you asking me? Uh, yeah, you got no pythons to stick in the, uh, the side of the mountain. Um uh, they're, they're called. There's a specific name for them. They get some kind of mountaineer equipment. Um, yeah, crampons. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Um, so, I mean, you're asking a lot, is my point. You're asking to do something that's really difficult and probably impossible. But if you can cover both James and Harper for even most of the time, and the rest of the time your rush is able to find a way to contain PV in the pocket and then collapse on him, you have a chance to stall this offense out and give yourselves a chance to win this football game. And even if you sell out to try to stop those two guys, there's a guy by the name of Al Wooten who's averaging seven yards a carry for the season. Right, and you can't put six, seven guys in the box and expect that. Well, no, eh, five, six guys in the box. You can't just drop six or seven, let alone drop eight, and think everything's going to be fine because they'll just run Wooten on a draw and he'll hammer you for 20 yards. And you mentioned PV, you know, I think Peyton, they had more design quarterback runs. He's a little bit more of a dynamic runner. But you look at Carter PV's numbers, 43 attempts rushing, you know, almost 200 yards, 4.5 yards of carry. And that includes the fact you got subtracted out the sacks, right? Yeah. So pretty solid numbers for a guy that, quote, unquote, doesn't run, right? They don't do design runs for him. So right. certainly a little bit dangerous of a one-two I think the combination. Yeah, there's very few design runs for PB. Now, he did score a touchdown on a designed quarterback run against Ole Miss. It's the first touchdown of the game. He went for, what, 75 yards. So he can run. And when given the op- when called upon, he can make plays with his legs. Uh, it's just that, you know, what happens to the arm, what happens to the processing when he's forced to move off his spot. Um, he's still very athletic. He can still do stuff, but sometimes it's it's a little bit less buttoned up than when he gets to the end of his three-step drop and there's a receiver wide open for him to hit. Yeah, I think that's the you – know, it's going to be interesting because Mercer, in the past, they usually have three or four different running backs that touch the football. They've got Wooten. they got Micah Bell. Last game was um, – Coward, excuse me, Tyrell Coward, who really has kind of come out of nowhere to, to get, you know, 14, 15 carries last week. Then you got Carter Peaton. Then, by the way, Devron Harper has like 10 carries on the season, averaging like nine yards. 
So all that different little window dressing stuff leads to a lot of play action, short passes, and then they get speed, you know, out on the edges. And so Carter Peavy, where Fred Payton was really good, was the play action, the quick pass, let him go. Now, he can press the ball down the field, but his decision-making, because they don't mind a free runner, because if they leave somebody unblocked, then whoever that person came from, right, that's an easy dump off to a guy with speed to go somewhere. And if they don't drop in coverage, Fred Payton recognized that and took off and would run. I think the difference between Peavy is he's going to be more apt to throw the football. So be curious to see how ETSU defensively tries to play some of that because they could drop back on that speed and then almost dare Peavy to run early. And the thing for Peavy, though, is I think when he does get his foot in the ground of the look, he needs to make the throw. I think when he starts scanning and doing things, he gets himself in trouble. Yes. I, I, I think to your point, what you're ultimately uh, saying, I think that's really the key. But to me, it's if that run game gets going mm-hmm. and they start to do that little play action and get the you know, the tight end, fullback, running back, or slot receiver coming back against the grain, and you put that outside linebacker in conflict um, to the wide side of the field, you're talking about you know, Teddy Wilson, who's more of a rushing guy, they go to the short side of the field. You know, you got Zach West, who's not really built for coverage. So, I mean, that, I think that's where they found a lot of, of, of work last year. Mm-hmm. And then when you try to take that away, then that's when they go over the top. Because clearly, James can make plays over the top. Harper is probably the fastest guy in the league. Is that fair? I mean, there might be somebody. But yes. with pads on and the football in his hands, I don't know if there's a guy faster. You know, I would agree. I would agree. You put him I, on a block and run a 60 or something, I don't know. But you put him right. in pads and football stuff, I think he's the there best. Are, there are definitely guys that have uh, better ball security than Harper has had this season. But um, I don't think there's anybody that's more explosive once they secure the football. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, offensively, they just got a lot of different ways to get to you. They try to do it more with not just pure athleticism, which they have, and I think they could do, but they do it out of the wing tee with a lot of just different things going on and try to get you looking elsewhere. And that's where the dangerous part of this game is for me, for ETSU's defense, before we flip over how I think great the Mercer defense is. The problem is you've got a lot of young guys. You've got a lot of guys, you know, that haven't been in the system a while, and you could easily get caught up looking at the wrong keys. Caught leading at the wrong keys, it's too late and they're biting. And you've given up the big play. If you can stick to your keys, ETSU has been able to shut Mercer down, but there's a lot of new guys, especially at the linebacker and, and even the defensive line, where they're they're going to try to make you think, ooh, here we go, look at this, look at this, and then they cut right back behind you. I think that's gonna be the biggest problem. And if ETSU excuse me, if ETSU can stop five, six big plays from happening because I don't know if they stop them all, but if they could limit that to, to three or four big plays as opposed to nine or ten, then I think that's a win for ETSU defensively. They'll get them off the field, and then ETSU's offense will have an opportunity in which that's probably one of the biggest challenges. This is one of the oldest defenses, which is funny because they have a lot of redshirt sophomores and juniors um, mm-hmm. that played in the COVID year that didn't count, then they played spring 21, 22. So you're talking about redshirt sophomores. Richard Juniors and you know Lance Watts Jr., who I've always been impressed with at safety and talked about a lot. He now set the all-time interception record. 
uh, Solomon Zubara. Except the tackles for loss record. He's just a yeah. redshirt sophomore. You look uh, Zavara is a senior. Oh, he's, he's a senior. senior. I'm sorry. Yeah. And uh, Isaac Dowling is another guy there. Ken Stanley Jr. has been in there, too. Yep. Um, oh, there's another big name we got to think about. Zavaru, Stanley, Dowling. Uh, Christian Hansen is a sophomore. And he's part of the pass rush unit. Oh, uh, Miles Redding. What, what Miles Redding at safety. Yeah, he's a junior. Oh, I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, they're just – They've got they've They're got really this good. unit for probably another year, if they if they really like work at it, put it all together, keep it all together, and work hard at keeping it together, they've got this unit for another year. I think it's going to be a really really good group for Mercer next year if they can hang on to most of these guys. But even if they don't, I think there's still plenty of talent there. It's not the biggest defense, right? It's not. It's it's a it's a good college defense. This is not a defense that's going to be just riddled with pro po- prospects. I mean, Dowling himself is listed at five nine two twenty five, and you figure Mercer might be measuring him in shoes. He's not a big dude. He's not a tall dude, but he is a very stout individual, and he can get leverage on you. And the low, I mean, in football, the low man wins. If you've already got the pads lower to the ground and at speed and you can, you know, leverage a bigger guy and a bigger center of gravity, you can make some pretty good and pretty important and pretty sound tackles. So um, they're not they're not going to overwhelm you with size, but they're fast, they hit hard, and they try not to just give up a ton of big plays. Now, how successful are they at that? Eh, reasonably so. I mean, Furman had to drive the field against them a couple of times. They were able to get a couple takeaways out of them, too. And the only other team that's beaten them this year is the Mississippi Rebels. But also, who have they played? North Alabama, who beat Chattanooga, Moorhead State, non-scholarship, and VMI, who put up a fight, made them earn it, but eventually Mercer pulled away in one day. So I don't know that they've necessarily played just a, a – they haven't exactly played murderer's row, put it that way. This is not, you know, this is not um, um, whatever, DiMaggio into Mantle into whoever that you're you're rolling through the schedule right now. ETSU, I think, is clearly going to try to get the run game going. Um, you know, Rydell, career-wise, solid. 54 completion, 76 attempts. That's a 71 71- completion percentage. Yeah. 587 yards total in the three games. Mm-hmm. Um, five touchdowns, two interceptions. And you go back, I mean, played 2019, and they started with Trey Mitchell, who went over yeah. three, didn't look real good, and right now replaced him. You know, eight for 1,216 yards in touchdown, but obviously you're, you had 410 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. So you didn't need a lot for a pass game. Then again, Rydell did play in the spring 21, so fall 21. He goes 26 of 29. That's 90% for 265 and three scores. A couple of those to Malik Murray, one to Will Huzzy. And then last year, 20 of 35, 206 a score, but he had a, a couple of picks. Uh, one unfortunate, one ill advised throw. Mm-hmm. And then Will Huzzy, solid numbers. 24 catches uh, in the four games, 211 yards, two touchdowns. So again, like last week, guys have had good numbers. Rydell didn't quite look himself. Can he take a step forward? Like we talked about on Tuesday, can the line get enough push for each issue to get some ground game going to make it easier 
for Rydell to maybe get some play action stuff as opposed to just straight, you know, pass pro where they got to sit back and, you know, everyone knows that they're bringing pressure. Mercer's at 3-3-5 stack. They will show five, six, seven people on the line. Now, they hardly ever blitz that many. Yeah. But part of it is the confusion of who's coming, who's not. Yeah. They're untraditional. They'll drop a nose guard or a D-tackle, D-in, in coverage, and just all of a sudden you think, well, there's going to be an open area because these guys are showing blitz. Next thing you know, you know, you're throwing it right into the belly of a big fella or right into the hands of a big fella. So I, I think there's a little bit of gamesmanship, and then I think special teams where each issue's been good. The return game for Mercer, as long as Harper's there, is dangerous. Now Harper's put it on the ground a couple of times. Here, so here's what I would tell – my special teams unit is make Devron Harper chase the ball. If he has, if he can line it up and size it up and has plenty of time, if it's kicked right to him and he catches it clean, he is going to hammer you. If he has to run for it, especially if he has to go backwards for it, where he's not set deep enough, it becomes a problem. He muffed a punt that Furman turned into the back-breaking touchdown at the end of the second quarter because he had to backpedal for one. And he didn't he didn't get in position in time, and it hit him in the shoulder, and that was that. And you can talk about out-kicking coverage, this and that, sure, whatever, but I would make Harper chase the football. Make him chase the ball. That's where the ball security issues have come in for him. And that's where you maybe have yourself an opportunity to get down the field and do something. That, on special teams, that, and I think Brackett is the perfect punter to do that. Is let her rip, bud. Get, kick it deep. You know what? If you kick a touchback, like if, if, if you're punting from your own 45 and you kick a touchback, fine. I'll live with it. I'll live with that as long as Harper has to chase the football behind him. I said Mantle and DiMaggio earlier. I meant Mantle and Maris, sorry. Which was also not Murderer's Row, but anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, I was trying to think. Murderer's Row was the 20s. I don't know. All those Yankee right, teams. Right. It's, it's, it's like, yeah, yeah, great players. Yeah, great player. Yeah, Hall of Famer. George Herman Root and all those guys. Yeah, saying. sure. Yeah, whatever. It's like 60 years of Yankees history. Pretty good back then. Yeah, they might have been. They might have been. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's kind of where I stand on ETSU and Mercer is make Harper work for it. Um, take James and Harper away as much as you can. Force PV to, to do more than just instant read and react. And um, just be composed on, on offense. Uh, speaking of composure, let's talk to the always composed Rick Cameron. You want to talk to him? Let's do it. ETSU from his days in the Bears with the Atlantic Sun Conference and of course the Mercer and ETSU making the jump to uh, the Southern Conference and Rick has called all the football since it's been back 
uh, at Mercer. That includes the Pioneer Days going into the Southern Conference Days. And one thing I do know, Rick, is that ETSU and Mercer have played some highly entertaining games, especially when it comes to games up here in Johnson City. Jay, I tell everyone that uh, when it comes to the Bucks and the Bears, you're right. It goes back to day one when we were, gosh, back in the uh, Atlantic Sun Conference. I remember the first conference tournament that we hosted, and you guys came down here and broke our hearts in that championship game. And you took the trophy belt with you, and we're still wondering where it went. But yeah, that, that football game up there two years ago uh, was something to see. That was a winner-take-all type deal, and you guys came out on top, and uh, boy, just a crushing blood on our guys, because uh, they laid it on the line, your guys laid it on the line. But uh, man, the many, many games that you and I have called, whether it's football, basketball, uh, these two teams just get after one another. It's a great rivalry. Let's talk about the Bears and, and personnel-wise, and obviously the biggest difference, uh, noticeable difference, is the fact that Fred Payton uh, no longer there, and Carter Peavy, who was the starter, I think, back in 2019, but Carter Peavy uh, back in the lineup as a starting quarterback. Talk about him kind of taking the reins. Well, of course, uh, Carter was recruited after he tried to go to the North Island, and, of course, uh, the, the poor coach, uh, he left there and accepted the job here, and it was all during COVID, as you remember. Uh, and the coach came in, uh, I coached the new coaching person. Oh, by the way, we've got a pandemic going on. And Carter Peavy came with Coach Chronic. You remember the spring football games that we had? Carter actually was the freshman player of the year, had a really good year in that first year. Uh, and then uh, Fred came over from Coastal Carolina, was an experienced quarterback, had the strong arm, and became the starter. So for two years, Carter went from uh, being the starter as a freshman to now the reserve quarterback for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, like anybody else, was disappointed. But uh, didn't pout about it. Instead, he uh, got in the weight room, worked to get a lot stronger. Obviously, he just continued to learn the system. Uh, Coach Cronick, he supported Fred in every way possible. Was patient, waited on his turn. Now, here he is back in the saddle, uh, playing as a redshirt sophomore. If he chooses to, he's got three more years to play, got it this year. Rick, uh, Keith Brake. Where do you think PV has improved the most since his first year as a starter, and and where do you think he still needs to get better in order for this team to unlock the potential of all the offensive weapons around him? I think right off the bat, Jay, I would say just because he's worked hard to get stronger. He's I mean, you look at the Carter PV today, look at the kid we had another two years ago. He's much stronger uh, when he when the pocket breaks down. He needs to run. He can get four five yards that probably he couldn't get after contact before, uh, throws the ball better. Probably the only weakness that we've noticed, and I think he, it's just because of maybe the rest of being away from the game a couple of years, mid-range passes, uh, the first or second game, the 8, 10, 12-yard passes, we thought he was kind of short-arming a little bit, kind of like you throw throwing the dartboard, but now he seems to be, uh, I thought this past Saturday against VMI, as they would break the huddle, he just senses it looks like he has more confidence, and I think that's just what he needed. You know, you're away from the game two years. Uh, you just got to get out there and get hit a couple times, complete some passes. But uh, I think he's getting better every game, and he's going to continue to do so. It's kind of funny how that works. The mid-range is often the, 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 fir- the last thing to come back, right? You get the sense of the deep yeah. ball. You get the sense of the short stuff. It's how to yeah. find the, 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 the measure in between. Um, describe his chemistry with Ty James because it seemed like these two have linked up for a ton of big plays. That's obviously Ty's 
uh, uh, MO, and he's eaten ETSU up a couple times. But uh, how much uh, of an impact, a positive impact, has PV had on Ty James this season? Starter back, and 
again the names that we counted on last year and the same guys basically getting on this year. And uh, the one thing that we do know is that, you know, Mercer very opportunistic, uh, you know, in that 3-3-5 stack. If there's an opportunity to take the football away, they've done a great job the last several seasons of forcing turnovers and giving the ball back in good position for the offense to try to score. Now, it's interesting you bring that up, Jack, because prior to the game last week, that was something that we all had noticed. I even uh, asked Coach Cronick about the pregame. There were practically no turnovers going into last week's game. We only had one interception, one fumble recovery. And, of course, as you know, with the new rule of the clock running after the first downs, uh, I think most coaches are sensing you lose a possession a half, possibly with that. So the game was a little quicker. You have less possessions, which means turnovers are critical. But last week, they did a much better job uh, coming out in the second half. They forced uh, two fumbles, got an interception, and all three led the scores, which allowed them to get some separation from BMI. So... Last week was more typical of the defense they've had, but to fill in, as I said, only two turnovers the first uh, few games. All right, we've talked a lot about uh, just your team and Mercer. What are your thoughts and some things that you think Mercer needs to do Saturday up there in Johnson City to come away with the win? Well, Jay, I think, uh, again, uh, these two teams, uh, you can, I know it's a cliche, but you can throw out all the numbers, all the stats. These two teams are going to get after one another. It's still fairly early in the season. Obviously, I, know, I think it's your homecoming. You play so well at home. Uh, I, I, to me, I'm old-fashioned against you. I've been around a long time. But I think the we just talked about turnovers. I think uh, your offense can move the ball. You've got a couple of guys playing outstanding on defense. you got the defensive player of the week last week. I think it comes down to turnovers. I think uh, who wins the turnover battle will be who wins the game. Again, that may be too simple-minded too much. But I really think the turnovers are huge. And the kicking game, uh, we all know two years ago how important the kicking game was. Yeah, uh, certainly. It came down that last second field goal. But ETSU's got an outstanding punter. Problem is he's kicked a, a few, maybe too far, uh, to led to return. So we'll see if Devron maybe gets a, an over-the-shoulder and a head start on some folks. But, uh, Rick, we appreciate it. Safe travels up here to Johnson City. I look forward to seeing you again, my friend. Absolutely, Jay. It's always a pleasure, uh, you know, we old-time radio guys have to cling together and wear a big stick. that's going away, I think. So, uh, certainly, we still believe in radio and what it provides for our fans and listen to football games. And I, indeed, look forward to seeing you on Saturday. All right, Rick. Take care. The best games of the week, or at least the ones these two dorks want to watch. Yeah! It's the pick six. You pick that up all by yourself? All right, pick six time. Uh, I think he gave the stats earlier. I don't know. I'm, I'm down. That's all I remember. Yes. Uh, you are down. Let me do the math here. That's six and five. You're five and a half games back. So you need to hit some home runs this week. Um, all right. 50. Like DiMaggio and uh, Babe Ruth. They were talking about yes. the murder row. Six yes. years apart. Right, Exa- right, uh, yes. But you, you definitely hit your home run 60 years apart in the pick six. Uh, 50-yard line. UT Martin at Eastern Illinois. Panthers are 4-1 and one with two wins over Missouri Valley Schools. The Skyhawks got off to a slow start before surging past Tennessee State last week. Massey says Skyhawks by a lot on the road. But rural Illinois means... Strange stuff. It's always a weird trip, whether it's Eastern Illinois or Western Illinois. These are weird road trips. 
it is the it's the twilight zone, right? It's it's the perpetual witching hour where wins become losses and losses become wins. And I this is the best that Eastern Illinois has started a football season in a really long time. I can't remember the last time they started four and one. This is this is a lot for them. Yeah, but they beat a couple teams that haven't won a game yet. They also beat Illinois State, which is one of the best graded defenses in the country according to PFF. Squick by McNeese State. Hasn't won a game, and Northwestern State, yeah, hasn't won a game. Uh, did match sort of defensively with Illinois State did in a 14-13 game. I mean that that right there speaks volumes to me. It probably maybe it says more about Illinois State than it does about uh, Eastern Illinois. But the fact that Eastern Illinois even had that game close. Well, I've been taking home teams. Yeah, but yeah I'm not yeah. this time. I'm going to take the road dog or the, or, or the favorite road team, whatever it is. I'm taking UT Martin. Taking UT Martin. I gotta think about this one, man. I watched UT Martin last week, and I thought they looked really, really sluggish out of the gate. And if you go to Charleston, it is easy to come out flat. It is really, really easy to come out flat on the road in Charleston. But I still think they're the more talented team. I I don't know that they're very polished. I don't know that they're they're objectively good, but I think they're the better team. And so I had to deliberate on it, but I am going to take the Skyhawks as well. Uh, 40-yard line. Number 13, Washington State at UCLA. Wazoo has the better resume with wins over Wisconsin and Oregon State, but goes on the road to a P5 for the first time, for the last time. Uh, UCLA just took a 14-7 loss to Utah. Cougs have a top 10 offense in the country by yardage and points, and the Bruins are pretty decent on defense. Well, I did not know you were going to go Pac-12 on me. I was, yeah, the Pac-12 has been fun. It, it has. It it's has been a lot of fun. Really, really good quarterbacks in that league, too. Yeah. That's uh, funny. All the California kids just go to Pac-12 schools, and, and they're great quarterbacks. And it's, it's a wild yeah, uh, there's a lot of great quarterbacks in California. Newsflash. Well, Washington State. I watched the majority of the. This, this is this one's pretty clear cut for me. I'm going Wazoo. I'm going Wazoo on the road. I don't believe in Jim Kelly. Why not? I feel like whenever he's been given out, he had a little stretch here at Oregon where I kind of believed in him, but since he's left Oregon, it seems like any time he's had a chance to kind of state his claim back to the old Oregon days, and he's upon it, they have laid eggs. And so because of his egg lane, like the bird that he is, is a Bruin. That works that way, but I'm wondering why Bruins or bears? Yeah, they're bears. They're not cats. They could be. Central Arkansas. That, uh, that has to live on forever. Uh, 30-yard line is number 24, Fresno State at Wyoming. Mikey Keene lit up Kent State and Nevada, had a great game against Purdue in the season opener. Not as good at Arizona State, but more than good enough to see off an Arizona State team that I believe currently has either eight or nine healthy offensive linemen. That's, that's rough, rough to say the least. Um they're second in the Mountain West in total defense as well. Wyoming has won some ugly games, but their only loss of the season is at Texas. And they beat App, which I know you love. And this game is at Wyoming. 
and they also beat Apple on the very it was a blocked field goal. Yes, um, which is usually how like Apple wins games. Uh, so yeah, I've heard of, I've heard they've done that a time or two. I, uh, you know, the thing for me for Wyoming is Laramie always seems to have. You mentioned uh, tough to go to Eastern Illinois. Anyway. I think it's tough to go to Laramie for the most part. Yeah, the uh, altitude and. It's just, like a lot of teams, you play better at home. I don't think that's earth-shattering. But for whatever reason, I think they are really good at home. And I've got some interesting wins. The Texas Tech to start the year was probably eye-opening for a lot of a lot of folks. You know, then you get Florida State lost in Texas pretty good. But then the bounce back at App State. And then again, it's, it, you know, struggled with New Mexico, but ended up coming out on top. I, I'm going to go for the slight upset uh, just because I guess they're not right. Said, but I'm going to go to the home team. You know me, I like home teams. Yes. Going on. Hmm. After two road teams. Yeah, I'm taking a look. I'm taking a look at the schedule here for Fresno State. And Utah State is not spectacular. Uh, UNLV has been pretty good this year. Boise. Not off to a great start, but they're usually good for it. San Jose State is kind of doing San Jose State things. New Mexico has not looked great, and San Diego State's looked bad. If you win this game, fairly reasonable chance you're going to the Mountain West title game against Air Force, which is probably at this point the favorite for the group of five slot in a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, but Fresno has been good. I thought Eastern gave them, a, Eastern Washington gave them a great game. But this is a team that's clearly got something going. Uh, I, I think they find a way to get it done. So give me the Bulldogs on the road. So that's the 30-yard line now to the 20-yard line. Uh, how about mm, Kentucky at number one, Georgia? Georgia's had some slow starts. Kentucky is the best team they've faced this year. Kentucky has a pretty good defense. They can frustrate that UGA offense. And this game could get ugly between the hedges. Actually, it probably will get ugly between the hedges. I still think Georgia's going to win. But I just want your thoughts on where the Bulldogs are to start the year. Seems kind of rough. Well, ha, get it? Rough. Yeah, rough. I think the big thing is, is they were so dominant last couple years that when they win, people are almost disappointed that it went by 30. Instead of just like, you know what, they're still winning. Nobody's beating them. Yeah. So, yes. So, yes, you probably got a lot of that. Oh, my goodness, we can only win by 17. We were we, so we terrible. Beat, we beat Missouri State 22 to nothing. What's wrong with the offense? Yeah, I mean, why couldn't you score 40, you know? So, I, I think there's a lot of that going on. Now, I told folks last week, Matt Wilge, you may want to close his ears on the podcast, that I thought Kentucky – was primed to knock off the Gators, especially at home, and it was, I did not predict the blowout fashion they won, I just thought for sure Kentucky was probably going to win that contest, and I think Kentucky, you know, gives Stoops a lot of credit, uh, he's trying to take Kentucky to not just be the basketball school, but to play some good football, and they play a fun brand of football, they're now going to be a, a little bit of contenders uh, in the east behind Georgia because it's Georgia and everybody else, unless you disagree with me. So I'm still going to go Georgia. I think because Georgia is just struggling to find themselves, I think, really more with quarterback play. 
Yes, I would else. agree with that. So, because they're struggling quarterback play, it's going to be a little nip and tuck, but there's just too many weapons on both sides of the football for Georgia. So, Georgia wins. I think it'll be like they've been winning, not really blowing people out. Uh, you know, maybe it's a two-score, 10, 14-point win, something like that, but I don't, I don't foresee this being a, a 35-7, to 35-10 type game. Is Brock Bowers the best player in FBS? Right off the top of my head, yes. Yes, I think he is. I would have to really. I don't think a tight end has ever won the Heisman. No, and he won't. And, and to me, that's always a separate kind of conversation because sometimes I think the best player in college football could be a lineman or a DN or something like that. I mean, because, again, t- subjective, yes, does a Heisman go to – People that put up gaudy numbers. But that, that's the thing. He's the leading receiver on what is currently the number one team in the country. Yes, but I still think there's just tight end bias. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. Linemen, big boys, they, they're not going to win any. And, and that's a shame. I, I just And there's so many people talking about all the quarterbacks and everything that's going on. Yeah, do we want to get Marchie down here? You know what? No, no, no. I'll call Ty, let's call Tyler Roll and get him to give the stump speech for why a tight end should win the Heisman. I, I'm four. Four tight ends and fullbacks <laughs> and D-line. Give me those guys Ty, Ty, all the day. Tyler has been a tight ends coach and an advocate for the tight end position and the fullback position for um, about a decade now. He was a fullback in college. He was a fullback or was going to be a fullback in the NFL before he had a catastrophic knee injury with the Seahawks. But um, they, uh, yeah, like, I think this is this is the best football player in the country. He's going to put up the numbers that back that up. Let's see it. But, yeah, we, we, we're in agreement that we're both going to take the Bulldogs. Ten-yard line. We just had the number 20 team at the number one team in FBS. So how about North Carolina Central and Elon? Let's top that. Elon is the decided favorite here, according to Massey, but these two teams have both beaten North Carolina A&T and Campbell. This is a game that could be a major measuring stick for how good Elon and the CAA are because – if Elon wins this game by a lot, you say, okay, well, everybody that lost to NC Central, obviously not that good, so maybe the CA's not that good, but Elon is. And if Elon loses this game to Central, especially if they lose it by a lot, you're saying, is the CAA good at all? Is there anybody we can trust in the CAA? So there's, coin, there's some discussion to be had around the ramifications of this game, which is part of why I want to watch it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because Elon's better defensively than Central. Central's been able to put up some offensive numbers. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you just look at the Campbell, that was a 49-48 shootout. Campbell's a team that really likes to push the tempo and you know, play fast, as many possessions. They're not quite Sanford fast, but that's kind of the style that they want to play. And Elon, at, also, Elon also lost to Gardner-Webb. They did. And that was the head-scratcher for me, which is why um, I didn't take it last week. Um, both played A&T, but to me, again, stylistic differences. Um, you know, 30 points. Uh, Central, they gave up a lot more, just three points given up for Elon. So defensively, but again, you know, A&T's not been a juggernaut, really offensively. Campbell can be. They still gave 24 to Campbell, but just six to William & Mary, even though William & Mary struggling to score. 
I think this will be a tighter game than what most people think it will be, but I think eventually Matthew Downing will be the difference and throw a late touchdown pass for Elon. I think Massey said 17. I don't think it'll be that. No, I don't think so either. Uh, I, I don't. I think this is this is one that's going to come down to the wire. And if it doesn't, then that's a great statement for the Elon Phoenix, who maybe we all have to reevaluate as to just how good we think this team might be. Personally, though. I don't know, man. I just have a hunch that the CAA, it really is as bad as people think it is. And there are no good teams left except maybe Delaware. So give, give me give me the Eagles to pull the upset. Maybe I just like birds. Seems like I'm picking a lot of Cardinals and Eagles and all that stuff. Um, so give me, give me the North Carolina Central Eagles. Uh, one bird that I can pretty much guarantee that neither of us will be picking is the Mockingbird. Western Carolina at Chattanooga is the goal line matchup this week. Massey favors Chattanooga, 64% chance to win, 33-27 projected final score. Yeah, I think the offensive line um, for Western Carolina has proven to me that they've been able to get holes open. This will be by far, I think, their offensive line versus Chattanooga's defensive line may be the best test that they've had, uh, minus, was it Arkansas or whoever, take that out of the yeah, out Arkansas. play for. Uh, but as far as the, you know, kind of apples, apples, FCS, I think that's going to be the best D-line that they have played. So uh, I think Desmond Reed has another dimension. Gonzalez is very comfortable. Uh, I, I like what Western Carolina spreads the football around, how they do it, but particularly how they're able to run the football now. So I think the way they are able to run the football, they got dynamic playmakers. I think they'll score on offense. I got my questions on Chattanooga on defense. They cannot run the football all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because they're leaning more on Artopius to make throws, but that is an athletic secondary. And if he hangs a few balls up and takes a few chances that he did against Wofford that were picked, uh, that were not picked in other games that he's hung them up there, I think they're going to be in real trouble. I think this will be an entertaining game, but I like the Catamounts just because I think their line is going to be more dominant on both sides of the football than Chattanooga's. I completely agree with that, uh, and, and I also think, like you said, Artopius has gotten away with a few, and he is—he uh, could be in for a long day if he tries to make some of those same throws and just doesn't settle and really get himself into a rhythm um, and I don't think this defense will allow him to get into a rhythm. So let me ask you this, because... And I, and I also think Western Carolina is going to run the ball way more effectively than Chattanooga because they've done it all season. And this is another big game for Des Reed, and this is a big game for the Catamounts as a result. So take the Cats. That's clearly the, the money game in the Southern Conference. Do you see any world where Wofford at home against Samford or Citadel on the road at Furman, any upsets there? Citadel, absolutely not. Uh, I think the question is, uh, how gentlemanly will Clay Hendricks be in the second half? Will he put the, put his foot on the gas, or will he take his guys out? Um, Sanford, Wofford, I, weirder stuff's happened, but I don't I don't see Wofford being able to score enough points. And enough might be enough might be twenty one with their defense, but I don't see Wofford scoring enough points. I think they're going to be in a similar situation to us, but less explosive. Uh, that's what I really – I just don't see. Their defense is going to battle. They're going to play hard. But there's just going to be so many plays. There's so much action piling up on your legs. It's going to be tough. I do not see that. 
point after touchdown. The game that only counts if you get it right. What have you got, Sandos? You got a couple that you were kind of hemming and hawing over. I know what I would tell you to pick as your colleague and friend, and I also uh, will tell you to pick tell you what game I would pick as somebody that wants to beat you. Well, the one game I was leaning towards was just going against Kennesaw State every single week. That's the game I would tell you to pick, actually. Like, legitimately, that is I, that I think Tennessee State's going. I think Kennesaw State's over it. They have pulled up stakes. They are done for the year, and they will. They're see in 2024. It's either that or Tacticoca and the Tommies of St. Thomas. Where is that game? Is that in? That is in St. Thomas. That's in St. Paul, Minneapolis. It's in. It's in St. Paul. Is it in St. Paul? Is that not Minneapolis? No, St. Thomas is in St. Paul. It's right across the river from Minneapolis. I think I've landed uh, in the Minneapolis airport to catch connection. Which is one of the nicest airports in the country. Uh, I do love Minneapolis. I do love MSP. Yeah, so it's wherever uh, St. Thomas is the home team. I'll just leave it at that. Yes, that's in St. Paul. And uh, I would not take Butler in that game. There, Butler, Brent Bushka, and Jaron Mitchell. I would not take Butler. I would not take Butler. That's right. I'm going to go to Tennessee State. Good. You're going against Kennesaw State. Good. Are good. You, are you taking Butler? No. Oh. I'm taking Northern Arizona over Weber State. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, Northern Arizona has been all around the big fish, and they kind of got one with Montana. And Weber State was rough last week and had to rally late to win that game. Northern Arizona is better than Northern Colorado. Uh, I think Weber's probably still reeling a little bit. I'm going to take the Lumberjacks to chop down the Wildcats in Ogden on Saturday. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. The Lumberjacks chop down the Wildcats. And a giant robotic reptar breathes fire while Bigfoot runs over seven RVs. Saturday. And not Sunday. Okay. All right, uh... (laughs) We're going to break down the homecoming game, ETSU-Mercer, on Tuesday. Next week, another home game, ETSU and the Wofford Terriers. Don't forget, this is Thursday, Friday night, big soccer match. UNCG, yeah. Should be a fun one. I'm really excited about it. I'm excited to get the call tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, free admission to Summers Taylor Stadium. ESPN plus giving. Correct. But be there if you can to support the Bucks, like you do when you listen to Jay and Keith. On the Buccaneer Sports Network. Nobody likes a G. Oh, you gotta be kidding me!